Welcome to the Empire Builders Podcast, teaching business owners the not-so-secret techniques that took famous businesses from mom-and-pop to major brands. Stephen Semple is a marketing consultant, story collector, and storyteller. I'm Stephen's sidekick and business partner, Dave Young. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, which is, well, it's us. But we're highlighting ads we've written and produced for our clients. So here's one of those. My name is Travis Crawford, and I think there's something funny about team building. Most companies gather everybody together once a week and say, all right, let's see how we're doing. And they rank people like it's the Olympics. Dave, you're number one, salesman of the week. Let's all hear it for Dave. And Dave gets a free lunch, a pat on the back, or a sticker. Then they talk about who came second and third and fourth until they hold up some poor guy's numbers and announce that he came last. Everybody at that meeting feels like a little bit of a failure, except one guy. And they call it team building. At Travis Crawford, we meet every Monday to talk about how we did last week and the best way to take care of this week. If somebody needs training, we make sure they get it. If a project needs a special set of skills, we put the right people together because we're a team. We work together, we solve problems together, we improve together, and we celebrate together. And I think that's a lot better than a sticker. My name is Travis Crawford, and I think that makes a difference. Welcome back to the Empire Builders Podcast. Dave Young here with you alongside Stephen Semple. And today, Stephen, as we head into year two of the podcast, uh, <laughs> you, you told me the topic and I have never heard of it. I, I, I'm assuming we're back to Canada products. We're back to Canada, yes. So this is Sleeman's Beer. I don't know anything about it. I don't love the name. I hope I love the story. Because the beer sounds like a product that maybe Bart Simpson would order at, at the bar when he goes in, right? Give me a bottle of Sleeman's. After you hear this story, you're going to be begging me to bring a case of this beer down for you. Well, I expect you to. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, maybe we're talking about beer today because, you know, living in Canada in the summertime and I'm here on the lake, you know, the other night I was sitting out and just you know, enjoying one of those beautiful evenings in Canada. And you know what I was drinking? I was drinking a bottle of Sleeman's Cream Ale, which is actually one of my favorite beers, and I've loved it for a long time. I said, you know what? I need to tell the story of this beer because it's an awesome, awesome story. That's kind of where it all started, was that inspiration. It was originally started in 1834 by John Sleeman. Holy cow, that's a while back. 99 years later, in 1933, it was shut down. And okay. then opened again by the great-great-grandson, the fifth-generation brewer, John Sleeman, in 1988, 55 years after being shut down. Wow. In 2006, 18 years after reopening, it was sold to Sapporo for $400 million dollars. And today is the third largest brewery in Canada. So it's really quite a journey. That's amazing. So the Sleeman family name was originally Sliman. Sliman. In the 1600s. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, in the 1600s. You're going to love this. In the 1600s, the Sliman family were pirates running illegal ventures out of England. <laughs> of course they were. Of course they were, right? Why wouldn't they is, be? This is documented. They were privateers. They were pirates. And by the middle of the 1800s, they decided to go legit and invest in something they really liked. Beer, right? Because yeah, what pirate doesn't like beer, right? 
So they started a brewery and a string of pubs in England. And at that time, they changed the name from Sliman to Sleeman because they wanted to get away from their pirate past. That whole pirate background thing. That yeah, you, you wouldn't want people to think that you were the same family. Exactly, as who pillaged them the year before, so just right? Change, change the vowel. Uh, okay. So in 1834, John Sleeman moves to Canada and he arrives in St. Catharines from Cornwall, England, and he starts a brewery called Stamford Springs. And he operated this brewery for 20, 20 years quite successfully. But, you know, this was the time of the Industrial Revolution, and due to industrialization, the water in the St. Catharines area became heavily contaminated, and they couldn't make beer with it any longer, so they moved to Guelph. And that was a good move, and they are very, as I mentioned earlier, they are very successful for 99 years in the Guelph market. And they were also a big deal. In 1880, one of the family members, George Sleeman, became mayor of the area, right? So, you know, and in 1889, his son, George Jr., became an apprentice, and he writes down all the beer recipes in a little recipe book. And this becomes really important later. So fast forward to 1921, and along comes Prohibition, and a dude by the name of Al Capone. And it's rumored that Capone does business with the Sleemans. Okay. In 1933, the Canadian government shuts down the brewery for not paying taxes on the beer they bootlegged to the United States. Oh, no. So just like how Al Capone got brought down for tax evasion, the Sleemans family got dragged down with this as well. Remember how I said they were closed down for 55 years? Yeah. In addition, they were forbidden for brewing beer for 50 years. They can do that? They did in 1933. Wow. The family was embarrassed by this past, and this heritage was actually buried. And here's where it gets fun. John Sleeman, now this is now a John Sleeman, five generations removed from the original John Sleeman. Think about this. Yeah. So I'm... <laughs> who had no idea about the family heritage. He had no idea. He talks about this. No idea the family heritage. Moved to London, England, where he fell in love with English pubs. So he decided okay. to return to Canada and bring this beer with him. <laughs> <laughs> so John Sleeman brings English beer to Canada five generations and 150 years after the original John came to Canada bringing beer from England. Right? So, uh, 19, okay. so in 1978, John opens his own British-style pub called The Major Oak and then becomes a partner in the imported beer company where they import English beer. And it's super successful. He, comes a, he becomes a millionaire doing this business. Then one day, his aunt Florian shares the family history with him. Oh, my gosh. Remember George Jr.'s recipe book? Yeah. The aunt still has it. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't that amazing? So here's John, 31 years old. He has a successful beer business, and his aunt wants him to open the old business. And John really doesn't want to do it. Really? Yeah, so he says to his aunt, says to Aunt Florian, first problem, the family no longer owns the name Sleeman's Brewery. Standard Brands owns it. So I can't oh, open wow. the business. Good old Aunt Florian convinces him to talk to Standard's brand. And guess what? They agree they to get it, it back to him. So he's got the name back. Okay. Says, okay, well, the next problem, you want me to really do this, John says, or you want me to really follow the family heritage, 
I can't use the old logo because it was a beaver and a maple leaf and Canadian Pacific Railway owns that. So there's no way they're going to let me do that. So John approaches them and they said, great idea. They give him the yeah. trademark back. <laughs> <laughs> so reluctantly, John started the brewery because, you know, he really got sucked into this whole heritage. He, like the family heritage was that drawn. And we know we know that that's a big pull. Like, look what happened with Uncle Nearest Distillery, where Fawn Weaver you know, back in episode mm-hmm. 55, Fawn Weaver, who was not even a member of the family, as she discovered this heritage of nearest green distilling whiskey, said, man, we've just got to do this. When you get exposed to these heritage, it's a really strong, really strong pull. So John Sleeman decided to design a beer bottle. I'm holding it up here. And, you- and I noticed when you showed me this just before the show that there's no label on that bottle. It's a glass molded bottle. There's a label around the neck. It's got the logo embossed in the glass. Yep. Molded right in. Molded right in. And that's what they originally did. So he went back and he did that. And he went to the recipe book, flipped through the recipe book. And on page 64, he found cream ale. And he said, this is the one we're going to launch with. And the fun part is like, you know how we talk about specifics are better than generalities. They had ads where they would literally talk about it was page 64 of the recipe book. They didn't just say, oh, I found it in the recipe book. It was page 64 of the recipe book, right? Because it just made it so much more more real. You can see YouTube videos interviewing him where he pulls out the recipe book and he still has the recipe book. And he really, really leveraged the family history in those ads. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to share a couple of those ads with you right now. Did he leverage the, like the piracy and all of it? The whole thing, Al Capone, the piracy, the whole, like the absolute whole nine yards. Every bottle of Sleeman has a past, a dangerous past. Pirates. Pirates who changed their name from Sliman to Sleeman took their ill-gotten treasure and invested in something they really liked, beer. It's a past some people think we should hide, but we won't because it's true. Like the beer it brought, it's notoriously good. Every bottle of Sleeman has a past. A shady past. When Prohibition hit the U.S., opportunity knocked for Sleeman. They made a fortune smuggling beer into illicit joints. Off the beaten path and outside the law, it was a good racket. Except when it came to last call. It's a past we refuse to cover up. Because it's true. And like the beer it brought, it's notoriously good. So now that you've watched those ads, what do you think of them, Dave? They're fabulous. They spawned a slogan, notoriously good. Notoriously good. Isn't that just brilliant? To lean hard on that heritage now that all of the quote-unquote embarrassed parties are gone, right? (laughs) You, You don't have to worry about that. You're not the one that sold illicit beer during prohibition you're not the one that was a pirate well we all want to be a little bit of a rebel like other than jerry exactly. Seinfeld, we all want to be pirates remember that jerry Seinfeld? Yeah. Well, we want to be a pirate but and the rest of us do want to be a pirate <laughs> here's the really cool thing about it is they'd been gone long enough that nobody remembered them right even he 
didn't know about it until his aunt. If you don't lean into the family history in the ads, you have no position other than just one more startup beer brand with a weird name. The other part that I loved in it was they're telling this outrageous story and he goes, and it's true, and it's true. Like, I actually want to make sure that you know I'm not making this up. It's yeah. true. And this beer is notoriously good. So how how do you not want to try this beer because of this association? And even the way he delivers it, he really oh, yeah. owned it. Brilliant campaign. And, you know, the thing I want people to realize when they look at this campaign, it seems so obvious. There's this amazing family history. Tell the story, it'll make great ads, right? But it is not that easy. We know, for example, they were Wizard of Ads client until the business sold Gettle air conditioners. Absolutely, yeah. And they were around a long time. And before they approached Roy Williams to run ads for them, they worked with a lot of big name agencies. Mm -hmm. And there's a fabulous story that Roy uncovered and told. This is a story any agency could have told, but chose not to. Yeah. Right? We have a client, Mother's Brewery. And again, they worked before hiring us with one of the largest craft brewer agencies out there. And they have this incredible story where his mother loves coming and helping out at the brewery. And she hates beer. She can't understand why people drink the stuff. Like she'll literally, there's stories of her pouring beer in hand and people going, do you really like yeah. this? That's a great story to tell, right? Uh -huh. Mother's Brewery and the mom doesn't like beer. People don't understand the power of things like that. And when we do an uncovery, right, where we sit down for a day or two with a business owner, I often get asked, well, what kinds of questions, what kind of things are you, are you looking for? You know, we've got our, our profit and loss and our, here's what we sold last year. And here's, it's like, here's the ads that we've run before. I'm like, I'm never looking for that stuff, right? It's sort of immaterial. What I'm looking for, we, we call it an unleveraged asset. And it's often a story like that. Yeah. So it's so important to just spend some time sitting at lunch and having a glass of wine or a glass of uh, a bottle of Sleeman's. Bottle of Sleeman's. <laughs> and, and hearing those stories. Yeah. Because what the business owner thinks is just, oh, well, that's just, you know, that was just me holding a flashlight for dad. Like, well, that becomes. That becomes the ad. The story. That becomes the unleveraged asset that you can turn into a fantastic ad campaign. Stay tuned. We're going to wrap up this story and tell you how to apply this lesson to your business right after this. Two words, lead flow. If you want to grow your business, lead flow is, well, not everything, but it sure can feel that way. You feel the need? The need for leads. And then there's the gnawing questions that plague you whenever you try to boost lead flow. Are you targeting the right customer? Are you saying the right things? Are you advertising in the right places? Are you spending too much or too little? And the ever-present, how can I best use social media? What if you could get those questions answered definitively in 90 minutes? You'd no longer feel the need for leads because now you'd know how to get them. That's what Empire Builders is offering you right now for free and with a guarantee to boot. 
Go to empirebuildersprogram.com, book a 90-minute Zoom meeting with the Empire Building expert, and boom, questions answered, problems solved. We'll give you the real answers, guaranteed. Guaranteed. Yes, our famous no pitching and no bitching guarantee. First, we won't pitch you at all, seriously. If you want to work with us beyond our meeting, you'll have to explicitly ask about moving forward. And the bitching part? If you're not satisfied with the answers, say the word. And I'll pay you cold hard cash for your wasted time. No hard feelings. Now that's a guarantee. Look, empire builders take action. If lead flow is an issue for you, take action on it. Book your Zoom meeting at empirebuildersprogram.com. Let's pick up our story where we left off, and trust me, you haven't missed a thing. Did you notice that the Sleeman's beer commercial, like the two that I shared with you, the ads were not about the beer. They didn't talk about the ingredients, didn't ah. talk about the brew, didn't talk about... Now, they do have later ones where they talked about page 64. But again, even talking about the beer, about the ant finding the recipe book and him turning the page 64. It's about yeah, the, that has nothing it, to do with the beer. Right. Right, but it made us emotionally want to try this beer. I think that's the power. You and Gary Bernier and I have done a couple of little videos about whiskey. Yeah. And all three of us are whiskey sommeliers. And one of the things that I tell people, I'm whiskey sommelier because I graduated from the whiskey marketing school, which I am the vice chancellor of. <laughs> I needed to do that before they would hire me as vice chancellor, so I did. But I am the least expert whiskey sommelier there probably is because I got through it, but it's not my everyday thing. Right. But I have a half a dozen whiskeys that I love telling stories about. Right. And most whiskey connoisseurs will go, well, that's just, uh, that's basic whiskey, right? That's yeah. nothing special about that. It was like, no, it's special to me. And let me tell you the story. Right. And when I'm done telling the story, we're going to raise a glass of this to my dad because it was his whiskey. Right. And it's like, that's a powerful story. That is a powerful story. And to me, you can elevate a mediocre brand with a powerful story. People want to uncover their story. Here's what they can do. Here's the challenge to figuring out the story. You can't do it in 15 minutes. You can't do it in 30 minutes. You can't do it in 90 minutes. Dave, we've all experienced this. Meet with the customer and what do we do in the morning? In the morning, we let them talk about all the things that they need to talk about. And it's important because they got to mm -hmm. offload all of those things. Yeah. Then we go for a, a nice lunch, have some drinks. And it's after we return from lunch when they've exhausted all the things that they want to talk about. All the things they think we need to know. And there's things that we should know. And I, I, uh -huh. I respect that. But the stories always come out in the afternoon. People want to uncover their story. What they can do is they can go to the Empire Builders podcast website. They can click on a link. They can book time to have a quick conversation. And then they can book a day with us. So we'll have all of the details on there for that day. And here's what I'm going to tell you. When you spend a day with us, and the other guarantee, and you got two choices, you can come to Toronto and spend the day with me and a partner, or you can come down to Austin and spend a day with Dave and a partner. So the choice is yours. You can go either way and mm -hmm. you will have a story at the end of that day because it takes a day. It takes a full day 
to find those stories. And any marketing agency, any advertising person who spends less than a day with you is not going to find the magic. David Ogilvie found the magic for the Rolls-Royce ad. Go back to listen to the Rolls-Royce. Yeah. He found it at the end of the day as he was walking out of Rolls-Royce and had a chance conversation with a freaking mechanic. It takes yep. a day. I was doing an uncovery with a guy who owned a, a golf course. And it wasn't until the end of the day that we found out he built the golf course. I went, what do you mean built the golf Oh, no, I, I've got pictures here of me moving the dirt around. <laughs> operating the heavy equipment. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? You actually built this course? Like, built it. Goes, oh, yeah, 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 I was out there every day. But he had worked with tons of people before, and no one ever told that story. As soon as yeah. we started telling that story, people believed this golf course was awesome, and this guy was dedicated to it being the best. Yeah. Right? So if you want to find your story, give us a call. We'll help you find that story. Because what I know is, as soon as you see the stories, it seems obvious. It was not obvious. Because yeah. how many times do we hear great stories in advertising? Rarely. How many businesses have great stories? All of them. And you know what? Those uncovery days, those one days, it's my favorite part of this job. Yeah, it's, it's right? fabulous. Once, once we get into running the campaign and the day-to-day, month-to-month, it's like, nah, I wish we could go back and do another uncovery. So I got to share one last thing about John Sleeman before we sign off. John Sleeman, one of the things he talks about, his big weakness today is now cars. And his favorite is Ferrari, Maserati, and here's where I love him, and Porsche. (laughs) Well, he he got $400 million. He got $400 million. He whips around on the track these days with his Ferrari, Maserati, and Porsche. So I love the dude. (laughs) <laughs> I hope that he gave Aunt Florian a little taste of that four hundred million. Yeah, that would be that would be cool. Because man, without her, he wouldn't have any of it. <laughs> and look, she held on to all of this stuff. And look at the fifty-year mark because they started fifty-five years after, and they had to do all this stuff. I bet you it was on the fifty-year mark that she walked up to him and said, "We can do this now. Let's do this." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because we can, we must. We can, we must. <laughs> All anyway, right. fun story. I thought you would enjoy it. And it's summertime. Let's all enjoy a Sleeman's. Before we go, yeah. how do you now feel about the name Sleeman? I love it. Right? Yeah. What did I tell Without you? Without any beginning? context, it's terrible. If you just threw it out as a possible name for a beer, people would go, I don't think so. Right. <laughs> now, if you met this guy and he wanted to call it anything but Sleeman's, what would you say to him? He's an idiot. Right. Isn't that yeah. interesting? At the beginning, you're yeah. like, I hate the name. If we focus group the name, everybody go, hate the name. Now, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah, you can't call it anything other than Sleeman's. Yep. All right. Awesome. Thanks, David. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Please share us. Subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave us a big, fat, juicy five-star rating and review. And if you have any questions about this or any other podcast episode, email to questions at the Empire Builders Podcast dot com.